Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We're back in our Santa Monica studios post-Wimbledon. Mitch Michaels here, as always, hosting this show, joined by now reoccurring guest of the show, backed up her Wimbledon quarterfinal appearance last year with another one, and uh, she's back to join the show, riding high off of another great performance on the grass, a uh, the star of season five, My Tennis Life, and a lover of all types of music, I believe. It's Isla Tamjanovic. Welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Is it like literally a year since we last spoke, or is it a little bit under a year? I think it's like exactly a year, maybe a shade under. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I remember I was in Montreal. Yeah, it is. So yeah. a week, so about, yeah, so it's about 55 like maybe weeks. Two, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit ago, you know, we're both, we both, I think, look the same. Things have gone well, at least for you. I'm <laughs> I don't know about me. There. I think I've got like <laughs> 20 inches off yeah. from last time. That's true. That's true. And we're still doing it. Now we're, we're appreciating you coming on the show. Uh, and I mentioned it's been a year. There's, you know, some guests come on the show every once in a while or, or every year, and there's not as much to talk about. You've had quite the year yourself. Uh, in the time that we talked, you actually hit your career high ranking at number 38. You finished the year pretty strong, went into the Billie Jean King Cup, made the semifinals there for your native Australia. I should start with there. 2021 season, how did that finish up for you after Wimbledon? Were you excited to keep playing tennis and then ultimately going into that Billie Jean King Cup experience? What was the end of 2021 like for you? Ooh, um, I don't know if you'd believe me if I said this, but looking back on my 2021 is just like it 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 isn't what you think like mm -hmm. it was really tough for me I don't know why I just I I know I had my career high actually I hit my career high this year I yeah. think right so but I, I had a great I mean one of my best slam results and it didn't hit me until this Wimbledon that I definitely didn't enjoy myself enough last year throughout the year I don't know I mean I do know why I you know, didn't yeah. have the same feeling I should have. I, I think it's like a whole nother topic I'm not going to get into, but it just kind of clicked for me. Like I, I just need to be happy and, and have fun. And that's when I kind of do my best in my career and, and just life in general. So to answer your question, um, the Billie Jean King cup was amazing yeah. that I definitely loved that. You know, I finished my year on that high, even though we lost in the semis, I think it was still a pretty, pretty great result considering like I was sick the first I didn't even play and like the girls we beat Belgium which was amazing and we've had some you know nice times and and those are that's what I kind of cherish the mm -hmm. most is is weeks like that where yeah. we all get together and it's not the usual you know lonely week in the year yeah. um so it was it was up and down definitely I mean there were don't get me wrong right. there were some great memories but it was um it wasn't as smooth as I would have liked it to be. Well, tennis players, I think all from the ones I've talked to, they long to be team sport, being part of a community. So any chance that they get to play as part of a team, they love it, whether it's Olympics or Billie Jean King Cup. 
I also think, Iowa, that I'm not surprised you gave me that answer, given that a few tennis players have said that directly, like getting to the point where they need to tennis-wise to get their ranking up and what you have to put in, it takes a lot out of you. And and I guess it's kind of one to expand on in the last year or so. Did you feel like at times that love of the game was being not like challenged, but maybe tested is a better way to put it, how much you really loved what you have to do to be a successful tennis player? It was definitely tested mostly because I, I mean, if you knew me as a kid, I, I was only happy when I was on a tennis court. Like that was my whole world revolved around tennis and I truly like lived it, you know, it wasn't just, Oh, I'm playing tennis and this is a routine for me. So when I kind of hit like maybe a little bit after COVID, I hit a few rough spots where I'm kind of like going to practice is just tougher. My motivation isn't there. And then even when I'm having good results, it just yeah. never seemed enough. And I, I was always like, why am I so tough on myself? And it didn't, at one point I was like, this isn't fair to me. I mean, I, I'm working so hard and I get the reward and I'm like, okay, what's next? Like I, mm -hmm. and I know these moments, like I, like now after I think um, the, the day after I lost my quarterfinals, I was sitting with my dad we were just having a coffee and I was like, like, that's it. Like it passed, you know, that yeah. moment was yesterday and now it's, it's gone. Like, and we kind of were like, yeah, like you, you have to enjoy the whole thing. It's not just the moment of that's lasting maybe 10 minutes, you know, right. it's the whole satisfaction of getting there, putting in the work and then even having, you know, setbacks and tough times in it. Then you have that one moment where it just kind of comes together and, and it's all, I guess, worth it. But that's where I kind of lost that love for even the tough times. And, and it overtook everything. So it took me a while even, you know, at this year. But right. I think I hit maybe one of my lower points at some point this year. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go back to the basics mm -hmm. because it's what it's about. And I don't even, I'm not going to tell you I expected to play quarters, but I definitely <laughs> am way more proud of this one than the one last okay. year for some reason. Well, I think it's definitely deserving to be more proud of because the better you get in tennis, the ranking goes up. There's got to be more pressure on you. People are expecting you. This isn't like, wow, where did like where did Iowa come from? It's like, okay, she made the quarters last year. Let's see if she can do it again. Um, and, and I just want to know if the start of 2022, you kind of felt that pressure. You struggled at times. It was like a lot of tennis players, they struggle to find their footing and you know the calendar, it's like a merry-go-round, it just keeps going and there's no time to get off and kind of catch your breath. Did you feel that pressure at the start of this year? Uh, I did, I definitely did. I felt like, you know, I've, I've beaten some top players in my career, but I never had that run where people are like, okay, she can actually, you know, go deeper in the slams. And I felt like even though I was not seated at, the start of the year like in the slams I felt like people didn't want to play me in the early rounds that are seated and I knew you know there was that thing oh, oh Isla can she can you know get hot and, and like yeah. win big matches but I still felt like I needed to back that up um, mm -hmm. after Wimbledon and I think the monkey is a little bit off my back because Wimbledon was like creeping in on me even in March and April um, and I didn't like that. I, I kind of, I should have embraced it maybe more like, well, you want to be in a position where you have to defend a big result because it means you've done well in the past, but I approached it, you know, a little bit cautiously, but I don't know. I just, I think maybe there's something special about Wimbledon for me. I just, yeah, yeah I, I, that all went out through the window when once I played my first round. 
It certainly seems that way after two straight years. But and I and you bring up a good point too, being that dangerous player on the cusp of being seated, where you are in your career, it seems like the next logical goal is to get to that top 30, 32 ranking. I use Australia this year as an example. You come in, I think, 42nd, 43rd in the world. And unfortunately, the, the breaks of the game, you drop Paul Bedosa, the number six player in the world, first round. So is that something you're thinking of? Like, how can I get to that seated range to kind of make your life a little easier at these bigger events? Yes and no. I mean, um, obviously, I'm not thrilled that I'm playing someone that's, I don't know what she was, four or five in the world. And yeah. it's more that I knew she was playing a really high level um the coming into Aussie Open so it's not the fact that I fear any of these players it's just that for a stupid reason you just really want to get that first round right. maybe out That's of the it, way yeah. and like an easier way but it's done because it's not like my goal is to oh I want to make the second round because you're going to play someone seated second round right. if you a seat in the right. first round so it eases you into it that, for sure yeah so that like clicked a little bit where it's like well if you're not seated you sh you should almost want to play a seed because you want to get them in the early rounds before yeah. they kind of get their footing yeah. and and the pressure is more on them um so that definitely is a goal but at the same time i'm even though i defended my quarters i'm still um a little bit further away than i would like to be since there were no points but um yeah, so I'm going to have to play really well till the end of the year to get that Aussie seeding spot. You know, some tennis players don't want, or some people inside the game, outside the game, former players, they think there should be less seeds in general. Do you think that we should go back to 16 seeds, or do you like 32? The idea being that the top players are a little, maybe a little more protected, and we could get some better, I'm just presenting the argument, this isn't exactly my <laughs> my way of viewing at it, but that we could get better early round matchups and you know, you, you that that top sixteen yeah. ranking becomes I mean, a premium. Then it would definitely be like way there would be more way, way more popcorn matches. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be. I mean, I would have nothing against it. Even though, I mean, don't you feel like there's so many upsets these days in the first two days yeah. of slam? I mean, yeah. In these last three like, years, these last three years are tough because of the COVID ranking situation. It's harder for players to move up. So I found that there's a lot of players in both the men's and the women's tour in that 40 to 60 range even that are very dangerous playing well that they just can't get up the rankings because the we're starting to see more of it now but it, it's a tough one yeah. for sure i just your perspective as a player that's on the fringe i was just fascinated with because you're right at that at that cusp of getting that number by your name in these big tournaments you know for me like now in the slams i'm mm, why i want to get to that 30 seating is more just for my satisfaction of okay so you know, I did that because it means I was more consistent throughout the year. So to me, that would be like a really nice reward for the work I've done and not so much for being a seed because you know what, if I don't play my best, even if I'm the 30th or 20th seed, I'm going to lose to whoever I'm facing. Tennis these days, the depth is incredible. Yeah. So it's more just, you know, knowing that, okay, I'm, I'm in the top 30 on the rankings that yeah. would just be a nice achievement for me so it's not so much like oh I want to be seated so I don't play someone seated because if you play your best you're gonna you're gonna I mean put yourself in a good position to win and if you're not you're gonna go out to someone that's 100 in the world or even more yeah. so 
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Alex Amjanovic here on Tennis Channel Inside In. Well, Wimbledon is going to take up a good portion of this as we go to there. You mentioned that it was kind of on your mind in the back. You were maybe dreading it a little bit, but what was that thought like when you first got back to the grounds this year, 2022? Were you feeling kind of rejuvenated? Were you a little worried at times? What was it like when you first walked on site this year? Um, it was it was actually very special. I I mean. I think um, my my mom made it like to Wimbledon because um, she wasn't there last year, yeah. and I was like, "Mom, I was in the quarters last year here," and I, I was like, "And I I won't let it go that she wasn't there." But it just felt like I don't know. It it sunk in more a year later than it did when I did it, you know, the day after last year. So it it was a special feeling, but I knew that like defending my quarters was nowhere in my mind really because the road is so long I mean I was only focusing on on uh getting through my first round um so I definitely drew on the experience but at the same time I I went into it like look I'm I'm in no position to defend that quarters in a way because I'm not seated not in kind of where I wanted to be after making quarters last year. I, I would have hoped that I was seated coming into 2022 Wimby, but oh, I accepted the facts and I knew what I'm capable of doing. So I just kind of almost went into it with the same mentality like the year before. Well, I think part of your realization is probably from the fact that you weren't in that moment anymore. You had that view from, from 20,000 feet where you were able to say, wow, what I did was actually pretty special. And and I know about your mom, and we all heard <laughs> that you're not going to let it go for a while that she wasn't there uh, last year. Um, I, and here's another personal question for a tennis player. I think I know the answer, but I want to hear you say it. Did you did you only look at the opponent in front of you? Did you have any idea what your draw was, what it was leading no. to? I oh. never look at the draw. I don't know when I started doing this. Not uh, it's not my whole career. Because you know I that that's a that's a tennis like player thing. Like it's not. It's weird on the outside to people on the outside world that are like, wow, we all love the draws. Like everybody likes to look at a nice bracket, but tennis players, most of them are like, no, one match at a time. Well, I didn't know about that because maybe like four or five years ago, there's a player that, um, I asked her like, who do you play? And she's like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, well, you know, the draws out. And she's like, yeah, but I don't like to know until like the day of, and I'm, uh, or like the next before. And I was like, oh my gosh, this girl is so weird. Like she doesn't even know draw because I would be like oh this this that and then I don't know when it happened where I was like I needed to kind of take the the not the pressure off but just the the expectation a little bit because there are a few players I don't love playing and one time it happened that I was playing a girl and I was about to win and already I was thinking about oh my gosh, tomorrow, this girl, I'm going right. to, and and I came off the corner. I was like, okay, that can't be happening. So I was like, let me solve that by just not looking at the draw. And now I, I'm like religiously, I, I always have my coach text me who I'm playing. And the problem with that though, is that I love seeing other matchups and I love seeing like 
what are the popcorn matches? So then I have to wait until the schedule comes out to like check out yeah. who's playing too. Um, and I mean, up to even Wimby, like I had no idea. Every every match I won, I was like, oh, okay, who is it now? You know? Yeah. And that was that's also kind of nice because it's like it's it's a surprise. I would think that I mean I, I understand it logically. It's different for people who aren't living it day to day, but I, but I understand where you're coming from. I think it might be a little tougher for the very, very top seeded players because they'd have to basically avoid all television and all coverage of tennis because they're probably yeah. talking about what their draw looks like and, and where they are. So, and I, and I bring that up because you were in Igis Fiontek's quarter and she hadn't lost the match since February. So you were in her quarter. Did you know that that could have been the next match? Um, no. I no. know when okay. I won, um, so I won my my second round um and i think they were playing like after me that day okay and then i found out that i'm playing the winner of that match so that's when i yeah i knew okay. that so i didn't know okay i mean i avoid social media when i'm in tournaments right. and i don't really i don't really watch the it happened a few times where i where they put on the screen my quarter and i'm like okay whatever but yeah, <laughs> yeah. it didn't happen in Wimby. oh it's interesting. Well, there was that, you know, massive upset, and we'll get to your, your match to get to the quarterfinal, but just something you said about having to be ready to play and a lot of times playing good players gets you into form. The road to get to the quarterfinal, everyone remembers that Cornet match, but you beat Jill Teichman, Barbara Krejcikova, who are both very good players. Krejcikova was a top seed, one of the top seeds, a French Open champion. You think that kind of helped you like sink or swim? Like I have to be informed. I'm playing tough players right from the get go. Cause that's not exactly a cakewalk into some tough matches. Yeah. I mean, I, when I saw him facing Jill, um, I was like, Oh my gosh, a lefty serve on grass. This is not the start I was hoping for. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I thought I had maybe a little bit of an edge against Jill just cause I, maybe had oh my gosh do you hear that that's my dog coming down no, the steps. Not, not too much. i think it adds to the ambiance of the show okay. um i thought you know what i i think maybe i like grass a little bit more than her and i thought she is maybe the favorite by seed by seeding but i like the surface a little better so i was like comfortable going into that match in that way where i didn't feel like oh my gosh that's like playing someone like Iga hasn't lost a match you know yeah. in forever but I will say beating beating them like on the way to that Cronenay match, it definitely helped just um, with the belief of handling different opponents. It was more that like because right. I play they they don't play the same, and I managed to overcome that, and, and that was big for my confidence. You were pretty open uh, about, and it was refreshing actually. But you were pretty open about the fact that you had some self doubt going into that Cronenay match, and looking at the tail of the tape, so to speak. You've beaten her before, but you know kind of that physical style that it takes. You had played a lot of long matches before. Was that questioning? Was that doubt coming from the, I mean, I put it in the sense of it, this win legitimized you as a bona fide two-time Wimbledon quarterfinalist. Was that self-doubt just like, I guess, human nature that you got to see yourself doing the improbable task? Because we know you can beat her, but the stakes are just so high at this level. You know, the funny thing is when I beat Krejcikova, I went to Dupress and everyone was like, oh my gosh, Isla, you're back in week two. You defended your like, your, you, you know, the thing from last year. 
And I was thinking like, do these guys know I made quarters? And I was <laughs> riding the wave of like just denial. So when yeah. I entered that match, to me, it was like, I was, I mean, I was so happy to be in the second week because anytime you do that in a slam, it's, it's great. You're having a pretty good slam. Yeah. And I don't care who you are, but you know, making that, that making it that far, you're, you're in a pretty good pretty good group of players and the thing is i knew obviously i've beaten her before so i know i can do it again but at the same time i know she's playing really good yeah. and something about elise she's never gonna hand you the match or no. or stop fighting so you just it's never fun playing players like that and i can't tell you like the start of that match i mean i i think i lost the first four points on her serve and they weren't like bad points and I was, I went to get my water and I was thinking like, I'm in trouble if I, if it like keeps going like at this level, cause the, the level was high from the get go. And, and it wasn't like that necessarily last year. And then the first point on my service game, I, I won it and it was like 30 rally point and I was yeah. gassing and I was like, I'm so screwed. So <laughs> I think that match probably ranks the best win in my career just because of the everything the circumstances the the physicality and the level i mean it was i mean I, i'm not i don't think i'm being subjective a couple people told me it was so i'm taking their word for it too it was it was a battle it was very very fun to watch she had been playing the best tennis of her lengthy career for sure uh but it was a, a remarkable win and you referenced the last time we chatted uh, a year ago how much chrissy everett means to you what was that conversation like, that reinforcement, tell, her telling you, her her place in the game, her telling you that you belong out there? Yeah, she, um, I was actually just her there now. Um, we were talking about the whole trip. You know, she's funny because she will text me always, she always texts me before my first round, like, good luck, you got this. And then the more I start winning, she will always text me my day off and be like, hey, like, get your head in the game you're not finished here. So she'd always be the one that will give me all like the encouragement, but always keep me right. hungry for more and remind me like, you're not done here. Like, like enjoy you your day, have, but then like, tomorrow it's time to no, work like, again. Almost like, yeah. I hope you enjoyed yesterday, yeah. but today it's like, you're thinking about tomorrow already. And I always love that because I mean, it's, it's, she's right. Like I didn't come here to just make a third round or a fourth round. And she's just at the end of the day, like, I mean, she was very proud of me, but I just love that she always keeps my head where it should be. Right. It's it's great. And I think it's also reminding that some of the nicest people are just killers out there <laughs> on the tennis court. Oh, my. Right. I yeah. mean, Jesus. Like, I saw some of her. Like, she was this, like, princess on court. But inside, oh, my goodness, she she would do anything to win the match. And And, you know, when she talks to me about my tennis, it still comes out. Like, the champion in her and how she approached the game. It's to me is just sometimes also funny the way she talks about it well, in a good way. It's great that you guys are, are having that relationship and she's still looking out for you and, and acting as that mentor. Uh, second straight year that you've lost to the eventual champ. Ravakina beats you, unfortunately, in the quarterfinals. You took a set off of her. Again, looking at it now, a remarkable run and, and a great showing even more so by yourself but in the moment did you feel like if things had gone differently you could have maybe could have had her oof you know um that's one thing where i'm like this quarterfinal is so different because i actually had a chance i mean against ash it was it was a <laughs> yeah. one-way street <laughs> and 
the thing is, like, I, after I won that first set, I didn't even think about winning. I mean, okay, maybe it creeped in here and there, like, okay, I'm a set away, but I knew the road is still long. But the thing is, she started playing, like, she went up a level and I couldn't, I mean, I, I had like little glimpses of like maybe a 15-30 on her serve, but I just felt at one point a little bit too far away just with the power she was bringing her serving. And it was kind of, I could see it going away from me. And, and at 5-3, I was thinking, okay, everyone gets tight at 5-3 serving out. Like she wasn't in this position either, like making it, it would be her first semifinal. And I mean, she had like four first serves in the corners and I was like, well, this is just too good. But um, I can say that that first set I played is one of the probably cleanest high level sets I've played against top players. And, yeah. and I'm very happy about that. I, I know I have I didn't win, but for me, that was a step in the right direction compared to last year where, you know, things didn't go well in the first set and I kind of crumbled. I didn't have mm-hmm. that belief that I can play my game and get it back and I think that was the biggest difference maybe not difference but just kind of like my my belief is there when things aren't going well even against top players I can still pull it back and get myself back into the match where sometimes before I'd be like oh bad day okay too good well you highlighted it too I think every tennis player has moments and shots and points that they'd want back and they could have done things differently but you made her play good you made her play very well to beat you at the end so it wasn't I think you hold your you hold your head high knowing that she had to raise her level and she did uh so that's gonna that's gonna do the portion of on the court but there's some family business here we got our like investigative side here because there's two sides of what people are talking about the quarterfinal run is the is the Tamjanovic family part that some people are talking about but we want to know about the hotel situation because I want to make sure that we have the timeline straight you beat Krejcikova on Saturday, uh, July 2nd, and it's a great win. Everyone's feeling good. They're like, I'm on court. How are you feeling? This is great. And the first thing you say is, oh, it's great. I actually just had to switch hotels. Oh, why did you have to switch hotels? Because your father, Rako Tamjanovic, decided to uh, check you out. And, and lo and behold, this would happen, what, two more times where you had to keep extending the deadline? So it was actually the the Friday I play, I'm oh, sorry, this Thursday when I won my second round. Uh, and you know, we're having like a nice cool down. Everyone's in a good mood. And, and my dad goes, Oh, I have some bad news. And I knew as soon as he said that I knew it because I know my dad for a very long time. Yeah. And this used to happen in like challengers when I wasn't making money. And, and I mean, I would keep my mouth shut because obviously my parents are supporting me and, yeah. and, they're the boss, right? Like if I have to switch hotels to, to spend less money, I'm, I'm not going to complain. Right. But fast forward to what, like 10 years later, I'm in Wimbledon and I think I can believe in myself enough not to book my room until my apartment until Friday. And he goes, yeah, we, we have it until tomorrow. And I actually couldn't believe it because he's never done that before. It's always, <laughs> he's always booked it the whole first week. Right. Okay. And I'm kind of offended. Like, I'm thinking, what the hell? I mean, this is like, I'm only in the third round. I would, I think if I made the fourth round, I'd be more at ease. I'd be like, you know what, dad, I get it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but I was not satisfied with this happening in a third round. So he's like, no, 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 Isla, don't worry. I'm going to figure it out. And it wasn't easy to figure out because everything's booked. London was crazy. And I didn't want to stay an hour from the courts. 
so he managed to, um, in the end, he managed to find a hotel that was in Putney, actually only 15 minute drive. Perfect. I mean, I probably spent four times the amount of money by getting like more rooms instead of just getting two weeks of my house. (laughs) But besides the point, um, (laughs) And then he had to extend it every time I won because he would just buy it. Like he would just get it for two more days. And then (laughs) so literally till like I was out, we were always unsure. But I told him after that, listen, like, I don't care how you do it. I'm just telling you I'm staying in this hotel till the end. Even if I have to stay with a stranger (laughs) in the room, I'm not moving. And he was like, yep, no worries, no worries. So I I trusted him that he would... um, he was have me stay there but the fact that I always saw him the first thing like at cool down him taking out his ipad and going on I don't even know what site he's going on to rebook it would just get like my blood boiling (laughs) even like after a good win so I was like like and then he got offended that I told the press like what do you mean I mean I just it was a whole thing that's an incredible story. Uh, just the idea that after his daughter's big Wimbledon win, he's got to do more work and he's got that letdown phase. Um, did he really say? Did he really say the phrase uh, "hungry rats swim faster"? Yeah. So he told me this when I I actually got really upset on my day off before my third round because I could tell that he was struggling to find a room, and he wanted me to have something close, and he was. I think also a little bit mad with how angry I was. And after finally getting it, he goes, okay, I got the hotel, but let me tell you something, Isla, hungry rats swim the fastest. And I was like, you, like, I think that was a dad lesson, like a parent, a parenting moment. And I was like, listen, I'm not a rat. I'm not hungry. I just want a room. <laughs> <laughs> so he definitely did. And I've never heard that phrase in the 29 years of my life, but he's never used that on me. So I don't know where he heard that one. Must be a handball thing or something. I'm not really sure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, more with Ila Tomjanovic here on Tennis Channel Inside In. Well, you know, another Wimbledon quarterfinal run. The million-dollar question is, how do you build off that? We we come to the point in the calendar where a lot of players, deservedly so much like yourself, are taking some time off to recharge. Then it's the summer hardcourt series in North America and beyond. How do you build off of another deep run into the grass court Grand Slam? You just got to keep going. I mean, I did take some time off. Uh, It wasn't my initial schedule. I was supposed to play two clay court events, but um, given that, you know, Wimbledon, even though I defend my quarterfinal, I still lost my points. So I had to make a decision. Do I play these two events or do I go home and prepare for the hardcore season? And I was like, look, I am not going to go chasing points in Europe when my body's a little bit, you know, beat up from being three months in Europe. So I took some time off and, and recharged and I'm just excited for this hardcore season because I haven't had one in the last couple of years. I always kind of got injured because maybe I didn't take care of my body as well as I'm doing now. So I'm actually just excited to, in a way, go out and grind 
mm-hmm. like grind out some qualies matches because I'm I'm not in main draw like Toronto and Cincy um, since my ranking dropped. So I'm just I don't know looking forward to getting a lot of matches before the U.S. Open and and it doesn't feel like I made the quarters because I'm in a position where I'm yeah. <laughs> in qualies, you know. But I also kind of embracing it. I like it. It's I, I've done some of my good results from qualies and you get more matches. So, um, yeah, I'm just getting a good 10 days of practice in, um, get like a little preseason block and I'll be ready to go till the end of the year. We're excited to kind of see where your journey goes from here. The grand slam is the end of a season. And then we go to like another, like mini portion of it. Uh, and, and speaking of that training and getting ready, I wanted to talk to you about you're kind of being on the cutting edge of weighted training apparel with gravity and, and what you've been able to do. And you've been on record as saying that it's groundbreaking and it's helped you and it's made the difference for those one percenters, as you put it. What's it been like to use this technology that's not like the old school, archaic way of just practicing with weights strapped on to whatever your, your yeah. shorts are? Um, what's it been like to use this gravity apparel? As I said, it's been very career changing in a way because I now, especially like I use it every day. I, um, as soon as I put it on and start sweating, I'm cursing it out because I'm like, I can feel it slowing me down. Cause I'm doing like four hundreds around the field and my dad is timing me and I'm thinking I have weight on me. You can't be timing me, but you know, that in the end, like it's gonna, it's gonna make you even better than if you weren't wearing it. So that's always kind of in my mind when I have it on me, just knowing that I'm putting that extra few percent and it honestly looks so cool. I mean, you wouldn't believe how many people come up to me and are like, I'm sorry, this is really weird, but I really just want to touch your shirt. What is that? You know, mm-hmm. people don't like, they can't tell what it really is. They just think it's like a spacesuit or something. So um, I just really enjoy, you know, seeing the brand grow and, and people getting more into it because it's, you don't really have anything like it out there. You're kind of like a little bit of a trendsetter there with that. And you know, the, the penguin brand now, which, I'll be honest, I own some of their clothing. I didn't know they were getting into the athletic game pretty much until I saw you rocking it at the start of this year. Yeah, you know, so a lot of people come up to me and are like, I have some penguin stuff and it makes me so happy because I, I mean, I knew about the brand before I signed with them, but I didn't know, like none of my friends wore it. Um, and then whenever I see people come up to me and are like excited that it's in tennis, it, it just makes me happy. And they're in golf as well. And um, I think our ambassador, like the penguin ambassador just wants something huge. So it's just nice to see brands that aren't necessarily so sports oriented, just make a move into, yeah. into tennis or other sports. It's just, it's refreshing. I think. Yeah, it's. I think there was a lot of behind the scenes, like penguin apparel owners and fans that are like, "Well, it's mainstream now. We're all coming out of the woodwork, just cheering you on." <laughs> it's kind of good. Uh, well, can we can end with this? But the off court stuff, my tennis life, season five. You're getting a, getting a full season as the star of the show, and uh, I I wonder if you're getting used to it now, having a crew with you, watching you go. I saw the the latest episode with your sister getting some R and R time. You're dragging her to the gym, I think against her will but I'm not sure. Uh, how has that been like? And are you kind of getting used to the experience of having the crew with you? I've been really enjoying it to, to be honest. Like I now, whenever I have like a week coming up, I kind of, I'm starting to always have an idea. Okay. I want to highlight this this week or honestly, sometimes I also have 
a pretty boring week and I'm like, oh, I don't want to, again, just do my food or practice. But sometimes my life is a little bit boring. So I really love episodes like this last one where I get to do things that are maybe once or twice a week in a year and definitely love dragging my sister into it. Um, I think most of my family, like I've exposed, I mean, there was, <laughs> okay, my mom almost killed me for this, but there was an episode um, that was called tipsy mama because I put a, I put a video of my mom drinking and she gets tipsy after like one drink cause she never drinks. So she got so mad at me and, and all of a sudden she's getting texts from her friends like, Oh, tipsy mama. And she has no clue what's happening. So I just love to, yeah, get my whole family in it and make fun of myself, everyone else. And I don't know, keep it light because I, I, I don't really know what people think we do as tennis players, but Everything I posted so far and filmed is uh, definitely on spot. So I hope people like it. Do you think there's going to be more, I guess, singing involved? We saw the Adele singing at Wimbledon. I know you're a big Rihanna fan. I don't, I don't know if you have a karaoke song or if we're going to have to find out by watching the show. <laughs> you know, I thought I was so good until I watched that episode. And now I'm, I'm questioning whether I should, you know, keep my singing off record. But and I didn't get great feedback from the fans. <laughs> uh, I did for bravery, but I think I probably will keep singing just because I love it. But I definitely will change up from Adele, probably like something Beyonce, or Rihanna, or Camila Cabello. You're picking people some have- tough choices, though. Like you're you're picking some stuff where I could see if it's not the best, people might be critical because you're picking some A-list, pretty elite singers. I know. Yeah. Well, but you. I just, I think I can branch into other genre. I agree with you, but at the same time, I don't want to like sing something that I'm also not listening to on my downtime, you know? So I just got to get better. Understood. Understood. Well, I appreciate your, you know, coming on this show again, and you're always up for trying things, which we saw the good and also the bad. I I, I didn't really want to get into it, but the last thing is the video clip last year of you and Donna Vekic playing basketball. Didn't really get like great reviews. I'll just... I'll leave it at that. I didn't even want to play. She she was all about playing. And I was like, do we really want to do this? And I'm like, we're not great. She was like, no, no, no. Like, let's do this as a warm up. And I was like, okay. But yeah, probably won't happen again that one. Okay. Going out, almost going out on top. It's like the same thing. Uh, <laughs> Isla Tomjanovic, you can catch her on season five of My Tennis Like. Thank you so much for joining Tennis Channel Inside In. And best of luck this year and beyond. Thanks for having me. Huge thanks to Iowa Tomjanovic for joining Tennis Channel Inside In once again. Make sure you check her out on Season 5 of My Tennis Life. And make sure you check out the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, tennis.com slash podcast for this show and all the others on our network. We will be back next week. Summer hardcourt seasons in North America are underway. City Open DC gets us going. Can't wait to talk more tennis with pros, players, analysts, all the people involved in the game should be fun. For Isla Tomjanovic, I'm Mitch Michaels. This was Tennis Channel Inside, and thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.